Hey, Keystoners. Welcome back to Keystone State of Mind. It's me, Steph, your tour guide to the dark side of Pennsylvania. It's been a crazy week here in the Keystone State and in the rest of the country and really in the rest of the world. A lot has happened since the last time I talked to you guys. I think we can all say a collective fuck you to the coronavirus. I hope everybody's staying healthy and staying home as much as they can. For our frontline workers, our grocery store workers, our convenience store workers, truckers, nurses, doctors, hospital employees, thank you so much to everyone that's doing everything they can to keep all of us safe and healthy. I hope everybody's making good use of their quarantine time. Here on the KSOM mini farm, I got a new critter. Uh, not not really a little critter. He's a three-week-old Jersey bull calf. And I can't think of a name for him, you guys. I need your help. I need you to help me name him. I'm going to put a picture of him on the KSOM Keystoners Facebook group. And give me some ideas. I can't come up with anything. I've been calling him Cowie. I need some help. He's certainly strong and healthy because yesterday he got out and got loose and the whole neighborhood had to chase him around for two hours to get him back in barn. So I know he's going to grow up to be a very strong bull. Okay, enough about the fur babies. How about some shout outs? First big shout out goes to our youngest keystoner, eight-year-old Trenton. Trenton listened to last week's episode on the Kecksburg UFO incident, and he has some very specific thoughts. He believes for sure that it was a UFO and that the government took the aliens to Area 51. Thanks for your insight, buddy. You're right on target. P.S. Trenton is also my nephew, so he's already quite accustomed to my trash mouth. Next big shout out goes to Keystoner Katrina, who left a really nice and encouraging comment on KSOM's page on the Podbean app. Podbean is a podcast listening platform that allows you to leave comments. So that was my first comment on Podbean. So thank you, Katrina. And last but not least, shout out to Angela for leaving a five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews have a huge impact on the growth of the show. The more positive ratings and reviews the show has, the easier it is to be discovered by new listeners. So thank you so much, Angela, for helping me to grow the show. I also want to shout out everybody who got a hold of me this week to get some KSOM sticker swag. I'll be mailing them out tomorrow, so that's Wednesday, March 25th, and there's still plenty of stickers left. So if you guys want some KSOM stickers, just email me your mailing address and I'll send them to you. Email me at steph at ksomthepod.com. The stickers are totally free. I just want to get the word out there about the show. If you want a shout out on KSOM, just reach out to me. 
You can email me at Steph at KSOMthepod.com. You can find me on Facebook. There's the Facebook page, Keystone State of Mind. There's also the Facebook group, KSOM Keystoners. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Keystone State of Mind. I don't use those very much, but I still check them. I still get notifications. I also have a Snapchat, Keystone underscore the pod. So reach out to me at any of those places and you can hear your shout out next week. With all the coronavirus craziness going on, this week I decided to talk about something similar that happened just about 100 years ago. The Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 and more specifically, its effect on Pennsylvania. So let's get into it. But you know what we have to do first. Let's get into a Keystone State of Mind. As always, I'll be enjoying my ice cold can of quarantine Keystone Light at 12.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Hmm, crazy. In March 1918, a report was sent from Haskell County, Kansas, to the Public Health Service, noting that 18 cases of influenza of a severe type had occurred. The patients suffered from fevers as high as 105 degrees and severe muscle and joint pain. 5 to 10% of the affected developed pneumonia and died. This is how the Spanish flu outbreak of 1918 began in the United States. These first cases were actually on the Fort Riley military base. A military base was really the worst location for this flu to show itself because the U.S. was in the middle of its involvement with World War I at this time. So that meant these soldiers from the military base are now being transferred all over the world. So any infected people were now about to come in contact with scores of others. Some researchers of the Spanish flu actually believe that it originated right there in Kansas. Other theories say that it may have come from Chinese laborers working in the port cities of England. And some believe it started as early as 1916 in France or 1917 in Vietnam. But wait a minute, none of these places are Spain. So why is it called the Spanish flu? To understand why, we're going to have to talk a little bit about American politics in the early 20th century. In 1918, in America, there was a law on the books called the Sedition Act. 
And this law basically said that no one is allowed to publicly talk shit about the government or the military, especially in times of war. This law was enacted by our second president, John Adams, and stayed on the books until 1920. Can you imagine if the press still had to abide by the Sedition Act? What the fuck would they even talk about nowadays? But back to 1918. So the press was not allowed to publicly talk smack on the government. Patriotism was running high and nobody wanted to impede the war effort. So the American press held back all talk of the flu epidemic that's running rampant through the country. This was also true for the other countries that were involved in World War I. So none of them reported any flu deaths either. But Spain was neutral. They did not have a stake in World War I. And so they were not concerned about what they printed. They just were printing facts. So Spain did report their influenza deaths. Therefore, as far as any of the unaffected public were concerned, the only flu sufferers were in Spain. Hence, the Spanish flu. So false reporting, fake news, and government-controlled press, not a new phenomenon. It's been around a long time. But regardless of the reporting, Americans were suffering and dying from this strain of influenza. The next outbreak hit in August of 1918 in Boston. And this would be the turning point in the U.S. and especially for Pennsylvania. During the Boston outbreak, a Navy ship left the port in Boston and sailed to Philadelphia and docked there. This was when the Spanish flu was introduced to Pennsylvania and it hit tough. 67,000 residents of the Keystone State died of the Spanish flu. 16,000 of them were in Philadelphia. As a matter of fact, no other state had as many deaths or as high of a mortality rate. So why was Pennsylvania, and more specifically Philadelphia, hit so hard? Well, that kind of goes back to the press censorship. There was a huge event scheduled in Philadelphia for September 28, 1918, and this was a Liberty Loans drive. What is a Liberty Loan, or better known as a Liberty Bond? Well, it's basically an opportunity for average citizens to purchase war bonds, Liberty Bonds, as an investment. They were getting 3.5% or so return on their investment paid back from the American government. And these Liberty Bonds were used to fund the war effort. So it was a symbol of patriotism 
and support for the troops, as well as a solid investment opportunity for the American public. Well, in Philadelphia, on September 28, 1918, 200,000 people showed up for this Liberty Loans Drive. And they showed up because they didn't know about the flu pandemic going on. And they didn't know about it because it wasn't being reported. It was being kept out of the papers. As a matter of fact, writers for local newspapers did submit articles about the flu pandemic before the Liberty Loans event. And the editors kept those articles out. The Liberty Loans Drive was a big party. It filled 23 downtown Philadelphia blocks and had music and parades and food and fun. But little did they know, they had all just subjected themselves to the most deadly disease that was running through the world at this time. And in the next week after the Liberty Loans Drive, 1,100 people died in Philadelphia. 1,100 people died in the city. And within six weeks after the Liberty Loans Drive, 12,000 people died in Philadelphia. So many of these deaths could have been avoided if there wasn't censorship in the press. Eventually, and far too late, the public health services did take notice and they began to quarantine people and shut down the schools and the churches and the entertainment industries, basically the non-essential businesses where we're at right now in America in 2020. But this quarantine came far too late. Too late for the people who had already died in Philadelphia and for the people who were yet to be infected in other cities in Pennsylvania and in the rural areas. One of these rural towns that was hit especially hard by the Spanish flu was Gaines, Pennsylvania. And that's about 15 miles west of Wellsboro. In an article called The Basket Babies by Carrie Hagen, Catherine Rexford Shinneberry shares her family's story of their experience in 1918. Catherine's great-grandparents owned a cemetery in Gaines called the Brookside Cemetery. And for generations, there was a small unmarked plot in the cemetery that was known to be sacred. The graveyard was passed down through generations. And when Catherine's father owned it, he made sure to instill in her the respect for that small area in the cemetery. This was where the basket babies were buried. These babies, as legend held, were victims of the Spanish flu. 
And while the poorer families couldn't afford a casket to bury their babies in, even the more well-to-do families couldn't get caskets either because there was so many dead that production could not keep up. The Gaines Basket Factory stepped in to help those families and their community that could not get caskets for their deceased babies. The Gaines Basket Factory was built in 1912 and stayed in business until the early 1930s. The baskets were intended for fruit harvesting and were generally sold to strawberry fields and apple orchards. But for a time in 1918, the basket factory actually halted all sales and donated all of their baskets to be used as makeshift coffins. The Rexford family in 1918 did not charge people to bury their loved ones in the cemetery. There wasn't time for a proper funeral or headstones to be made. And a lot of these people were really just buried in mass graves and covered with lime to try and stop the spread of the disease and to keep the rest of the people safe. Catherine Rexford had always been told uh, this legend of that was passed down through her family. And nobody was really sure how many babies were buried on her family's property. Fast forward to 2016. Catherine Rexford had spent a lifetime thinking about these basket babies. And she decided that she owed it to her family and to those victims of the Spanish flu to try and identify exactly where this mass grave was and identify as many of the babies that were interred there as she could. And to get a proper headstone to commemorate the lives of these children. Catherine began this journey by calling the Penn State University Department of Geosciences to see if they had any technology that they could use to help identify where this grave was. And unfortunately, Penn State did not have any kind of technology that could help, but they referred her to Mansfield University. And that was really surprising to me because Penn State is a much bigger school than Mansfield University. And it was quite fortuitous because Mansfield University is only about 20 miles from the Brookside Cemetery. And they had just been given a economic development grant to purchase ground penetrating radar equipment. Catherine was put in touch with Dr. Lee Stocks, Associate Professor of Geology at Mansfield University. And he told her that he and his students would be happy to take on this project and that it wouldn't cost her or the cemetery anything. They were willing to do this as a community project. Catherine and the team from Mansfield University did locate this grave and there were 11 babies buried there. Unbelievably, Catherine was actually able to identify two of these children just by researching and reaching out to people on Facebook. Just to be clear, the babies were not disinterred. Their graves were not disturbed. This was all just research on Catherine Rexford's part. 
The two babies she was able to identify were twins, Lawrence and Louise Shelley. She was also able to put a headstone there to commemorate the lives of these 11 children. The headstone says, sacred to the memory of the unknown souls buried here. This story of one small town's experience during the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic did have somewhat of a happy ending, even if it did take 100 years. But there were stories like this in small towns all across America and throughout the world. Okay, so I have a few stats about the Spanish flu. First, uh, it's thought to have been an H1N1 avian flu type. This flu, when all was said and done, infected over 500 million people. That is one third of the entire world population in 1918. Surprisingly, this flu hit young, healthy people just as hard or harder than small children or elderly adults. The number of deaths worldwide is estimated to be anywhere between 50 to 100 million people. And death came from pneumonia. The flu virus would infect the lungs, causing a viral pneumonia situation. And then a lot of times a secondary bacterial pneumonia would set in. There were no antibiotics at this time to treat the bacterial pneumonia, and there was no inoculation for the flu virus. The United States had an estimated 675,000 deaths, and 67,000 of these were in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was the hardest hit state in the nation. Because the world was at war and there was so much movement from country to country of infected soldiers, that's why this illness spread so quickly and so easily. Up to half of all the doctors and nurses from the United States and especially from Pennsylvania were actually fighting in the war, treating the sick and wounded. So they were not here to take care of the American citizens as they got sick. Of course, as we talked about earlier, quarantine measures were not taken nearly early enough to stop the spread here in the United States. And this deadly disease just ran rampant throughout the whole country. How terrifying. Through my research, I actually expected to find that this epidemic somehow contributed to the Great Depression that happened just a decade later. But I was really surprised to find that a lot of economic analysts do not think there was any correlation whatsoever. So I was really glad to read that considering the situation we are in here currently in the United States with the coronavirus. Another thing I was really glad to read when comparing the two, the coronavirus compared to the Spanish flu, everyone agrees that the coronavirus is nowhere near as bad. 
And after looking into all this, I am actually so glad that our country and our leaders acted quickly and started locking shit down. Like, I know it's such an inconvenience, but just imagine if the leaders in 1918 had done the same thing early on before 200,000 people gathered in Philadelphia. I wonder what the numbers might have been like, how different they would have been, the death rate, if the leaders had taken that initiative early on in 1918. Okay, Keystoners, thanks for tuning in again this week. Thanks to everybody who supports the show and reaches out to tell me how much you like it. Don't forget to go join the KSOM Keystoners Facebook group and help me name my new baby cow. Reach out to me on all the social medias, on Snapchat, email me, staff at ksomthepod.com. Keep an eye on the website because new stuff's going on there all the time. We're going to be getting some merch on there as soon as we can. Uh, Also, don't forget to email me about your stickers. Let me send you some free stuff. Enjoy your quarantine. Get some rest. Stay home. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay six feet away from people. That sounds great on any given day, really, to me. And whatever you do, stay keystone, my friends.